Okay, I don't think I can read at my desk as I just watch documentaries and like listen to lectures and stuff, but like in a way where uh, some of the things I watch and uh, research are a little fucked. So I'm always concerned one of my coworkers is going to come around the corner and just be like, so why are you watching this documentary about Unit 731? I'm like, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'm filling out the reports. Who gives a shit? It's educational. Mm-hmm. That's, that's- I'm learning. <laughs> No, just wait till next episode. I've been watching some fun. Oh stuff. god, but that's not fun. It's not fun stuff. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. Hi and welcome to Blank Bodies, <laughs> a Vampire the Masquerade V Five tabletop and horror podcast. And today we're not talking about horrifying things. We're talking about magic, which is only sometimes horrifying. Uh, it can be horrifying in like a an existential way or a literal way depending on like what schools you practice i ain't going to no book school i mean i'm just saying ngongas are a little fucking intense awful scary super spoopy uh (laughs) not here to disrespect other people's cultures but i'm just like "Mm, the bone cauldron i don't know yeah anyway that's hunter this is john and that's sarah i am sarah hello I am Hunter. Yeah. Nailed he did it. it. He got it right. We're doing Woo! it. Uh, uh, we have been going through it as a group, so uh, thank you, everybody, for being understanding and supportive. Yeah, uh, I appreciate that. I almost uh, died in a car wreck. I was in the hospital for about four days. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I tried to record when I got out, but everyone told me no. So. Yeah, well, like... I didn't want to limit your dreams, but I also didn't want everyone else mad at me, so... I, I did not want to limit your <laughs> dreams. Unfortunately, I got fucked uh, by uh, personal familial issues. Hooray! <laughs> yeah. I'm also kind of glad we didn't, because I found out I wasn't mm-hmm. the most coherent on all the medications and painkillers. I'm pain absolutely me not on. surprised. But... I mean, it would have been a good episode for magic. Yeah, yeah just let, let uh, me on a bunch of morphine... <laughs> Uh, Let's be real. How many old magicians were on the equivalent of morphine anyway? I mean, that was just what everybody was on when it was the 1800s. Because that's, they just, all that shit was completely unregulated. And people were just like (laughs) slapping things together into potions and literally doing uh, the uh, Dr. Pirelli thing from fucking Sweeney Todd. That's just how you did medicine in the United States. Because we were too big and too broke to have actual doctors. Yep. Yep. That's how time works. Anywho, uh... So yeah, for this episode, we are basically doing uh, Vampire Magic 101. Magic 101 is kind of the thoughts on this. So we're going to cover the 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 thinnest layer, top layer of occult basics so people can have like a baseline. Yeah. Uh, I, we're doing this kind of, uh, by we, I mean, I, I proposed this idea because I initially thought this would be a good way to hopefully add depth for uh, storytelling and adding things to games and plot and all of that whilst also trying to not be disrespectful to uh, practices that are still active to this day within our cultures and other cultures. Absolutely. Um, also, I think it it's a good setup point for us to talk about any of the other World of Darkness lines as they're starting to come out beyond Hunter, which the only magic it really has is Jesus um, or Jibus. other religions. Yeah, like technically true faith does not have to be Jesus based. You just you just kind of have to believe hard enough. It's just very, but I, a lot of it's very Jesus. I say in a lot of the books, it's very specifically Catholic magic. If is the vibe it gives off. Yeah. I like the aesthetics of Catholicism. I'm not into it, it personally, but like, goddamn, it works with the world of darkness. Well, it do, but some dramatic gothic assholes. It's great. Now that we have a werewolf coming 
going on up and as we talked about in our previous episode i believe there's some rumblings that there might be some mages doing some things soon yeah. having like a big better baseline for magics would be cool yeah that'd be neat you know because uh well we just covered the tremere thank you for surviving that month um but there's other people in the world of darkness canaan that uh, also deal with the occult and magic. And so this was a good stepping stone to get into other stuff. Yeah. And we also didn't get super into how they do their magic. So I feel like this is a good spot for that too. Yeah. So pretty much this episode, if we're going to go TLDR, this is everyone, we're going to show you the veil. but We're not going to pull it back at all. Yeah. Basically, because yep. I don't have that kind of time or that amount of drugs. Technically, but... you have to do that yourself. <laughs> that <laughs> is, is a true. you thing. Yeah. So yeah, we're going to cover the basics of some real world occultic thought and stuff. So you have some framework to start with. And then hopefully what happens with the basics of magic and vampire make sense. Cool. Yay. Uh, we're going to also cover the generally accepted origins of vampiric magic within the meta plot for vampire. And we're going to cover the five major practice paradigms uh, for the occult, which is... Thaumaturgy, Caldonic Sorcery, Duron, Key or Quietus, Necromancy, and Alchemy. Those are the five basics. Obviously, one of them is the best. Yes. And hopefully, uh, when we cover these, just basically doing a kind of touch base on their basic theory, a little bit of the thought process behind each of these, and then the very basics of this is the baseline dice pool and mechanics you'll probably be running for these disciplines most of the time. And hopefully this will kind of make running the games a little smoother for everybody and not be as intimidating, for, especially for like newer players or people that are used to the old system and the way you used to do all of these bullshit things. Yes. Yes. Okay. So moving forward. Uh, content warning. Uh, we're just talking about magic and history stuff. So like if you're not in the mood to talk about spooky shit, uh, go do other things, I guess. I don't know why you picked this show. But yep. I was about to say, this is the wrong, <laughs> this is the wrong place. We love you. No, ah. This is the wrong spot. Yeah, well, I, I acknowledge that there are some people that have views on the occult that I would consider inaccurate, but they might find uh, topics to be alarming or, you know, spiritually endangering. And I'm trying to be respectful of that. I respect your hesitation and whatnot, but maybe you should listen to the episode and really listen to it because you might learn that the occult isn't as scary as you think. Hopefully. Yeah. We're here to and uh, uh, increase people's interactions with other people because, like, doing cool things with friends, new and old, is a good time. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, also, wizardry's fucking cool. Wizardry is cool. You get to wear a fun hat and fuck hotties. Like, yeah, it's a good time. Do you get to come in a jar with your burrows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, I was trying to not talk about cum eating. I was At least trying. not yet. Not I didn't yet. say anything about eating. I just said putting it in a jar. Fair. Uh, <laughs> so sources. Hey, does that does that mm. make like what was that game that no one that I ever know actually played, but everyone talked about? Oh, Salty um, Cracker, Limp Biscuit. Was that what it was called? Uh, it's, it's Everybody called comes on a cracker, and then the last person to come has to eat it. What Limp in... Biscuit is one of the names of one of those games? Huh. But... What in the fraternal house hazing bullshit? Terrifying. That's a magical ritual, though. I bet. I mean, technically, yes. It, depending on the intent. Yeah. That's one of those things that I I feel like was always talked about, like football players doing specifically. Yeah. That and the banana ass thing. The banana, banana ass? 
You have to put a banana in your ass and then walk. And every time it falls out, you have to take a bite. And Just get it. a prostate massager. Jesus Christ. Anyway. Also, you know what? I'm not here to kink shame. Uh, sometimes people have fun hobbies, and some of those fun hobbies are getting into a circle with your bros and uh, feverishly masturbating onto baked goods. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to talk about the occult, which yeah. technically we have been this whole yes. time. So a uh, quick run through sources for the episode. We're using Book of Nod, Player's Guide to the High Ugh. Clans, Clan Books of Meatsy, uh, Blood Magic, Six Thaumaturgy, Rites of Blood, V5 Core Book, uh, Asamite Clan Book, Veil of Night, Vampire Dark Ages, Kindred of the Ebony Kingdom. 20th. That's a cool ass fucking It is. Name. It's, there's some really cool shit in there, but later. Uh, Vampire 20th Century or 20th Anniversary Core Book, uh, Tremere Clan Book, Giovanni Clan Book, mm. Cults of the Blood Gods. I also pulled from last podcast on the left's Magic Series. That's a good intro beginner's uh, uh, cursory understanding of the occult. And there's also uh, the Theories Lecture Series, Occultism, Vamchara, and the Right Hand Path, which is the cool thing I found on YouTube. Hell yeah. Mm hmm. Shockingly, I got academic research for this episode. <laughs> that's not shocking. I feel like that's most. This is episodes. mostly what I bring to this podcast. Is fucking nerd. Nerd. <laughs> <laughs> this look. Uh, being a nerd, I'm hope. Look, being a nerd in the way I am is part of my path into being a professional hot person. There you go. Because you know who's hot? Smart ne- people. Oh, I was gonna say nerds. Some nerds are not Some hot. Some nerds are not hot. No, though. you can't. We, we went through that whole period <laughs> where they tried their hardest, mm-hmm. and we had to put up with all kinds of strange things. Oh, I was just gonna like gesture towards Gamergate, but you know that's fine. <laughs> that's say, true. There was that bad. There's that bad half, and then there's the other half that was really into um oh, that one uh, sing along blog or whatever. And that Doctor whole, Horrible sing along. Yeah, blog. that whole like annoying twink movement. Oh, was that was too. that's just millennial cringe. Yeah, that sucks too. I yeah. liked Doctor Hor- uh, Horrible. No, like, I hate blog. that movie really? so much. I you guys made me watch that so many times. I, I didn't like it the it. first time. It was on in the house all the time for it was a while. A lot, yeah, I never put it on. Maybe I like I Nick. enjoyed it. It might have been Nick, but someone really liked it, and I was like, I hate everyone in this movie now. <laughs> that's when I. That's one of those weeks where I just like I'm just not going to hang out whenever this is on. <laughs> I I it enjoyed stops. it because it was during the writers' strike years ago, and it opened the pathway for people to be able to do more independent creations on the internet. But dear God, is there just a chunk of millennial culture that if they get any kind of a like fandom or franchise things, they just make that their personality and they'll drive it into the ground. And I'm just like, are you just afraid of processing reality? Is that what this is? Like the guy who literally dressed like Vash the Stampede in my high school every day. Mm-hmm. That now that was a ritual. Yeah, well, yeah. Honestly, <laughs> honestly, yeah. He wouldn't respond to his actual name, like even to like school staff. They had to call him Vash. Oh my god, that's amazing! It's anyway, it was fucking wild. I put a pin in that. Alpha. It's gonna that look <laughs> Sigma grind set. Look, put a pin in that. It's going to come back as being important, unfortunately. So, what is the occult? I have a couple of different rough definitions that I have found that seemed good for baby beginner wizards. The Oxford Languages Dictionary gives uh, supernatural, mystical, or magical beliefs, practices, or phenomenon. Kind of boring. Uh, the Wikipedia page for Occultism actually had a really good definition. 
So that is the occult in its broadest sense is a category of esoteric supernatural beliefs and practices which generally fall outside of the scope of organized religion and science. From the Latin word occultist, uh, meaning clandestine, hidden, or secret, and is knowledge of the hidden. I like that. I know, yeah. right? I'll say, I'll say the, the definition I'd always heard at its most base level is just hidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, that's that's one way of looking at it, and it's very falls into right hand path theology. But we'll get into that. Um, I uh, also liked how the last podcast on the left guys basically broke down occultism, uh, which is uh, the purpose is to bring more specific changes to your internal consciousness or tangible changes within your external life. One accomplishes this through changing one's consciousness or state of awareness. Perception meets ritual meets reality. Good stuff. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty good. Thank that's a that little that little mantra perception reality ritual. Mm-hmm. Good thing to keep in the brain for this. Uh the lecture series that I talked about earlier, uh, with uh theories of occultism and right hand past stuff was done by a doctor, uh Jason Campbell. He does have a whole channel on YouTube that has a bunch of different lectures about a bunch of different like philosophical concepts, um, things involving like ethnic studies, tons of shit, super rad channel, super recommend it. A lot of these things were recorded like 10 years ago. So it's very 10 years ago, YouTube where long lecture series are broken into 10 minute videos and they're in playlists. Yeah. So be prepared for that. But his definition is occultism pertains to the esoteric study of the relationship between human consciousness and non-empirical phenomenon. Which is my favorite definition. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that covers everything. Because I feel like hidden, seeking hidden truth kind of doesn't quite encapsulate the divide between hard science as we know it. Where it's like, I can observe a phenomenon. I can count it. I can calculate it. It's something I can touch and like make repeatable uh, experiments that other peers can look at and also repeat the experiments. Yeah. Um, actually, I have a quote that I think is oh. really um, so. Um, if you've been in Discord, you know I'm working on a book, my own little role playing system, and I pulled a bunch of quotes for that. But there's one that I think would actually fit really well here. Yeah, which um, it's from one of my favorite wizards of all time, Robert Anton Wilson. Oh hell yeah! Um, but it's every kind of ignorance in the world all results from not realizing that our perceptions are gambles. We believe what we see, and then we believe our interpretation of it. We do not even know we are making an interpretation most of the time. We think this is reality. Yeah. Um. So again, it's it, it further down that it what it really is. It's about reshaping your perception and mm-hmm. knowing what you. Ha- what you're interpreting is a perception. Yeah. And it, it gets into, yeah, like, yes, ending what I was saying with, like, there's empirical, hard reality, like, science and our understanding of that. And then non-empirical perceptions and reality, which is where you get into, like, consciousness and emotions. And it gets into, like, psychology and philosophy and the softer, hard sciences, that little wonky area. That's where this kind of sits. Yeah. So, hooray. Uh, the basic framework for 20th and 21st century Western, like, occult traditions break down into two major paths. And then there's, I usually say three because one of them is technically an offshoot of one, but it's such a big category. It might as well just be its own thing at this point. Uh, well, we'll see. Weird. Let's go over Yeah. So uh, there is what is known as the right-hand path, and this is... Uh, 
generally seeking enlightenment or oneness with the Godhead through ordered hierarchical studies. And these traditions generally trace all the way back to the Kabbalah. This is your old school, like, desert wizard shit. Desert wizard shit. This is also where, like, hermitism can get traced back to um, a lot. We talked about them a little bit in our Tremere series. Yeah, basically, like, what we understand as science now, if you trace back through time, you'll end up here eventually. (laughs) Yeah. Um. And I uh, will not fucking try to sit here and explain, like, I have any real understanding of Kabbalah, because that is a thousands year old Jewish mysticism practice that involves a lot of study and a lot of understandings and workings of things. And there's a lot of really good concepts in there, but I'm not the gal. I'm not the girly that should be explaining that shit. So I'm not gonna. The most I know about Kabbalah comes from a friend. Well, a former friend. I haven't Mm -hmm. talked to him in years, but um, he was a born again Christian who used the Kabbalah to explain to me how his previous uh, Jewish ancestry was evil. So I, I did don't not have know a that good part. perception on it. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. That I think some that fun is? stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah not I'm not surprised. So I, I probably need to clean up my perception of it a little bit. He was saying some wild stuff. Yeah. There's. Uh, I don't know a lot about it, but it's pretty cool stuff. There's a lot of little bit of that. Yeah. Like my inter inter my introduction with Kabbalah came through uh, me reading about Aleister Crowley and the Order of the Golden Dawn, and then kind of backtracking. But I've had a few conversations with, like, esoteric, esoteric, like, Jewish friends. And there's a lot of really interesting um, concepts within Kabbalah thought and uh, particularly when it comes into interactions with, like, gender identity that I've really appreciated. And it's a lot more chill. And it does kind of leave room for having a religion where you can, like, argue with God, (laughs) essentially. Mm-hmm. and have debates and be more open and just be like, eh, just don't be a piece of shit. <laughs> so, um, And if you mm. practice Kabbalah, if you are a Kabbalist, is that right? Kabbalist? Kabbalist? I don't know. I don't know how you pronounce it, but if you do this, if you know much about it, please, please, please reach out because yeah. I would love to learn yeah, more. Yeah, I, I am too much of a fucking going to be going on about this shit. <laughs> I would love to learn more. Yeah. I, I am too white. I should not be the one. I should not be the one, but that is... Right hand path. Yeah, if someone would love, I would love to interview someone and maybe do like a Kabbalah for tabletop games 101. Like just like, just like a little Mm -hmm. sprinkling for people. Right. And it's also just, uh, there's, there's a lot of interesting uh, cultural notes from Jewish culture that have made it into American culture that just we don't perceive as like Jewish anymore that really needs to be recognized and respected and just be like, hey. These people are part of our community. We should probably treat them as such. I don't know. Maybe I'm wacky. <laughs> well, that, that's a whole nother. That's a whole other thing. But yeah, like I had a conversation recently about um, uh, having to learn American English. There's a lot of Americanism slangs that I thought were just generic American English. Turns out it's just Yiddish. And I didn't find that out until I was an adult. Well, it's a lot, a lot of, uh, feel, I feel like a lot of New York slang specifically. Yeah, a lot of New York slang, a lot, and you know. Words you get in media from films, like, you know, I grew up on fucking Mel Brooks thing, so it's like, yeah, and like, glitch. Yeah. Is Yiddish. Or chutzpah. Chutzpah, you know, kvetch, da-da-da, so on and so forth. Yeah, just things that we use in our everyday language are actually just got cultural traces we should just know about and just be like, that's cool and fun. But yeah, right-hand path, ordered, uh, hierarchical, lots of studies, a lot of of hats. Mm -hmm. And the the sillier your hat. 
the more important you yeah, are. Yeah, so, you know, just Order of the Golden Dawn's like the big boy group that everybody knows about, and then, you know, Masons, shit like that. I would also put the Pythagoreans, Pythagoras yes. here. If you want to, a lot of people don't know how wild that guy actually was. He was essentially a cult leader who <laughs> also helped invent math. Yeah, he was like a radical vegan back in like ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. Had a bean cult. Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's wild. But it wild. I, they would be right hand path magic because again they were like he was essentially like inventing what we now consider like basic math. Yeah. While also like performing weird rituals and. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, that involves also talking about fucking Aristotle and his views on things, and I don't have that fucking time. Anyways, uh, when mage comes out, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So left hand <laughs> path. God, that's gonna be a long episode. Left hand path. Uh, making oneself the godhead through various practices, tracing back to tantric traditions, often seen as more provocative or counterculture. So left-hand path tends to be where you find a lot of contemporary occultic practices, Wiccans, pagans, Satanists, uh, my fat ass. A lot of a lot of Crowleyans. <laughs> a lot of Crowleyans. Crowley was kind of like the big figurehead in starting this branch of things because he was like, I... I like being able to do all this research and getting hot girls to pay things for me, but I want to do more fucking. And Order of the Golden Dawn was like, no. Yeah, he he is always kind of like a middle of the road figure now, which is mm-hmm. funny to think. After we're like, there are two main schools. He kind of just did it all. But... Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and also, I just forever will love Henry Zabrowski's interpretation of Aleister Crowley as a character. It's so fucking good. Yeah. It's so fucking good. It's very silly. But yeah, so there's, um, uh, yeah, basically a lot of what you think of is goth kid in a cemetery collecting dirt and burning candles and all that kind of shit is in here as yeah. well. Which is very, very heavily an influence on World of Darkness, even on the things that like aren't necessarily specifically magic. Uh, like a lot yeah. of the things that influence like vampire and stuff. I feel like a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of little bits of this left hand path stuff just kind of spread everywhere. Even yep. when it's not what you're like, not a, you're not necessarily a sorcerer, but just the random vampire powers. A lot of them are based on more left hand path. Yeah. Stuff. Which, uh, go ahead. Question. Yeah. Actually, cause I was looking over our notes here and you actually, in the notes, it actually pull, uh, mentions like tantric traditions and when I'm thinking tantric, yeah. I'm thinking like not necessarily like tantric sex, but that's one of them. Um, but like lots of meditation and things like that. Yeah. And I feel like yoga. That's gonna wouldn't that be more closer to right hand? Because you're well, trying to no, reach no, no. one here's, with the everything. Yeah, well, kind of here is the 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 biggest uh, split is a lot of right hand path stuff involves you mentally and spiritually achieving oneness through study, and sometimes meditation is involved with that where left-hand path stuff tends to be more bodily and physically grounded. Okay. So it's like body spirit as opposed to mind spirit. Mm-hmm. There's there's a little bit of that. And I mean, like I said, even Crowley was kind of back and forth if you really look at what he was doing. Like mm-hmm. a lot of this can fall into both. Um, Everything gets kind of wobbly, I guess, with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the biggest separation is... Um, Are you... I would say right-hand path is more like... 
I am invoking the third key of Solomon to speak to the, the this level demon of this to ask for permission to do this so that I may achieve this bit of knowledge. Mm-hmm. It's like deep, like I'm learning these secret paths and cheat codes my way mm-hmm. through the, how the universe is set. Yeah, but there is a definitive like path and order right. that structure that you're going through where left hand path tends to be more free form. I did downward dog until I achieved enlightenment. It's a little more jazz. It's about the rituals that you don't do. All yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. So left hand pass a little bit more jazz and then right hand pass a little bit more uh, Baroque classical, I guess. Where there's like structures and like you have 12 notes, but each octave is eight notes and da da da, all that kind of shit. So that's that. Technically, Chaos Magic is a fractionate of the left-hand path, but I kind of just treat it as its own sector. Because fuck it, if I want to do a right-hand path ritual, I can. Yeah. Uh, Chaos Magic is basically about rearranging or hacking reality through various practices that can go absolutely wrong if you do not handle it with care. Chaos Mm -hmm. Magic is also the newest. Mm -hmm. And although it does have roots in older writers and writings that have kind of, some have been reversed called chaos magic it's Mm -hmm. also like its prominence is really i would say in the late 80s 90s when it really even started showing up and so it's still pretty new and there's still a lot of debate i mean there are there are practitioners who hate it specifically because they feel like it's very disrespectful to pretty much everyone else um it does not have to be uh this i i generally will identify myself more as doing this kind of thing um uh yeah chaos magic in keeping with the the music uh analogy so if right hand path is like baroque classical left hand path is like jazz chaos magic is like john cajian uh like noise discordant kind of practices in music or john cage is really famous for uh writing that music piece where it was just silence for four minutes and 30 seconds and the actual like ambiance of the room itself was considered the music piece Mm. because this is where People in the arts started to interpret uh, our understandings of quantum reality into art creation. And it was just like, well, all noise is technically music, so I can just use literally anything as an instrument. That also gets into a really interesting time period where tech sector was doing so well they started pumping a lot of money into the arts and there's this whole weird movement of basically trying to uh, disembody Mm -hmm. art to the point that it was pure theoretical pure thought pure emotion mm-hmm. um and they were trying to do that with technology it was really really weird interesting time period in art mm-hmm. um and some, that's a whole but that's a, like a whole modernist movement that we can fuck talk about later um, i would i would say though if you really want like some music that you can actually listen to and hear and get into that is like i think embodies chaos magic perfectly i would say go check out psychic tv um literally were chaos practitioners who had some very interesting ideas on gender i think people would now would consider what they were doing in like the 80s and 90s um Mm -hmm. pretty pretty modern so definitely check out genesis peorge and psychic tv some of that music's actually just really chill like you can just vibe to it and it's not just like noise and you sit there and go hmm yes this does make me think (laughs) but yeah a lot of uh theorems and stuff behind chaos magic i find lines up a lot with thoughts for mage we do not have enough drugs to get into that just that's the note for that so if you understand if you can understand and wrap your brain around chaos magic mage the ascension is gonna make way more sense yeah so hooray 
So we got through that. So a couple of common misconceptions about the occult. I just want to whack through real quick. Uh, one of them is uh, people do not understand that any idea can be weaponized. So there are sects within the occult that will practice like Satanism or uh, demonic reverence or do baneful magic or practices. Um, but just because that exists within the framework of the school of thought doesn't mean you necessarily have to throw away the whole school of thought. Absolutely. Yeah, because there's people that are just like, I, I will not abide occultism, da, 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 it's all evil. But it's like, bro, people use science to make napalm and like knife missiles. You don't throw out all of science because, you know, mustard gas is a thing. Yeah. yeah and it's easy to point. You could point to the country of Israel and say, oh, we don't throw out Judaism. You look at the country of the United States. We don't you know, throw out Christianity. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I would say it's pretty similar to yeah. any other belief system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is like if you throw away America, you also have to throw away Brendan Fraser. And we can't do that because he's too delightful. <laughs> I don't know if that's the first thing I would have gone to for yeah. saving the U.S., but I respect you. Your, your chutzpah. Thank you. (laughs) Circling back around. All right. So next thing, Uh, the occultism utilizes non-empirical tools and thoughts, but does not discount empirical consciousness. God damn it! Have I had to deal with some fucking woo-woo, goddamn cupcake pagan Wicca people that are just like, well, if I'm dealing with the empirical or the non-empirical, and I'm dealing with the intangible and the spiritual realms, I don't have to deal with like the actual factual states of just things in the world around me. And I'm just like, listen here, you got to still pay your fucking taxes. <laughs> and just because you do uh, partake in occultic thought does not mean that you have to throw out science. In fact, I encourage you to not do that. <laughs> Having an analytical mind like science style is actually, I think, really helpful in occult studies. Um, yeah. I, uh, I've been doing my own writings for my own projects and whatnot. And I've done, I've at least attempted to like trace a lot of mm-hmm. um, what would be now considered new age beliefs in the US mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And it is a nightmare tangle of like bad ideas and bad intentions. And mm-hmm. um, it, that's a tough one to really grok. I would say I have a harder time not throwing that baby out with the bathtub than I have like even like Satanism, like, well, yeah. And it also depends on what branch of Satanism. Cause there's like a cultic Satanism that does do like, I literally worship the devil. And then there's, you know, like the satanic temple, which is, uh, we just don't want the government, uh, turning us into a Christo fascist nation. So, uh, we have a church and an abortion clinic and I'm like, cool. Yeah. And there's even Satanists that are basically just like occult libertarianism. Like yeah. Satanism <laughs> is a, it's a, it's a large boat with a lot of people on it, mm-hmm. but I, I, I guess, all I was saying was just like it. I would avoid for a lot of what we're saying a lot of new age beliefs because it is it is kind of its own. I would almost say fourth path. We're talking about different paths, whereas yeah. it's almost like a form of chaos magic. Except that you're there's it. It's very bizarre. It's very and, bizarre, and it's it's a lot of that comes down to basically white people going to other cultures and stripping out the bullshit that the woo woo bullshit they want. And then just like chucking it on top of their own basically colonialist, like white supremacist beliefs and then weaponizing that against the people that they stole it from. Mm-hmm. And it's very like the pipeline between crunchy new age hippie woo woo mom to like fucking Nazi is like a fucking straight line. And it's weird. 
it's weird because a lot of those well also a lot of these are like off the grid like off in their own corner Mm -hmm. um like the same kind of people who become disenfranchised because they get completely ignored and left alone Mm -hmm. by the rest of the world and then they say oh those people are different they must be the problem are the same people who are also like reading all these weird occult stuff and then it turns into like double bad yeah it's uh I will say if you feel like we have um, attacked you at all because you do all this stuff, I very much encourage you to like research where those practices actually originated because that would give you a deeper understanding of them. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not I'm not even trying to attack anyone. This is something I am trying to understand better. I think now would just I think was a better time to bring it up than any is like I feel like it is a weird Gordian knot of the occult that even in like other occult circles I've crossed paths with online or otherwise don't want to acknowledge. It's kind of been pushed off into its own corner for the most part. And a lot of people just like, well, you know, just let them do what they do. Right. Well, it's like that, like that corner of it. And then there's also the corner of it where it's like occultic thought being weaponized for military or capitalistic purchase purposes. Like, Fucking uh, the guy. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. But there's a guy that uh, was like the head of or like the nexus point of like marketing in the 50s and revolutionized how like advertising and all that works where he used a combination of psychology and occultic thought and basically was like one of the pioneers of like weaponizing memes and shit. And then you also get like Michael Aquino and all of his temple of said weird paramilitary, just fucking psychotic evil villain that's eyebrows. Why, <laughs> that's why I always argue that marketing is a form of magic. It is. Oh, it it is. literally is. It's awful. It's, uh, it's a combination of magic and um, government mind control research, mm-hmm. mostly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to try and like land this thought of like uh, empirical versus non-empirical things, uh, it's kind of basically viewing things through the quantitative versus the qualitative which I got a little bit into with our uh, bonus episode for the Tremere with the uh, Abigail Thorne video. Yeah. Um, which can be used for good or bad. We're just like, yeah, there's people that are like, you should you should buy to this thing, so then therefore you have value in society, and that's like the bad thing. And then the good, the better side is, hey, maybe maybe we should like chill and take a day off from work, or you know, like just maybe maybe trading your printer for like focaccia bread is not a bad thing. It's like sometimes things just being vibes is totally okay. But, you know, like you can use a combination of non-empirical and empirical understandings of reality to help like give yourself perspective and give you a place in society and the universe. But that's also getting into like absurdism or positive nihilism, which is stuff I'm really into. But we're going to skip past that. I'm just going (laughs) to go ahead and say we I'm also really glad we just went ahead and skipped over Discordianism. (laughs) Oh, I man. did. <laughs> I was trying. I was trying to not. Sorry, I was trying never. to not. I was really trying. <laughs> but it's also like that whole fucking bucket of what the fuck. I don't inherently disagree with it, but there's parts where I'm just like, bro, <laughs> bro, can we just go get a sandwich? Yeah, like, I just want a sandwich. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's basically being grill-pilled is the best way, I think, to like. But on a spiritual level. But on a spiritual level. Yeah. Just be the dude. But yeah, the last uh, little point I had on occultic misunderstandings is uh, this uh, gives a theoretical framework for understanding our reality and has applications in our contemporary society, which is kind of where this all bleeds in. So in academic spaces, the an, an example that was given in the lecture from Dr. Campbell was uh, 
application or uh, was a uh, Descartes understanding of the pineal gland within the meditations uh, writing that he's done where it's like, yeah, you can go from having the hard, like what does justice in society means? And then you can kind of end up in this other space where it's just like, but you know, what about our perceptions of reality and all of that? And then, um, yeah, basically getting like concepts of like oneness and I am you and you are me and he is she and we're all on the same ball together. Hooray. Mm-hmm. We all came from the same big pool of goop in the <laughs> sky. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> and then in like more of a pop culture context, I would say just look at anything or any major works done by Alan Moore or Grant Morrison mm. where you start getting into... Uh, uh, like my favorite examples of these things are is getting into like the comic from hell. Yeah. Like if you actually read that graphic novel, she thick, but she is. Uh, well, yeah, I understand that the 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 plot is about Jack the Ripper, but the plot, much like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, is actually about how architecture informs society and how changing architecture actually affects like the psychic connection people have with themselves and society and how all of that interacts with each other cool also just like the invisibles (laughs) it's so good i need i want to reread that that. yeah yeah yeah. and also grant morrison right (laughs) no the invisibles is great uh grant morrison's got some runs within like the constantine hellblazer comics that do a really good job of breaking down a lot of occultic thought that's just like super fun so you know good baby bad introductions if you feel like um reading an actual book i would suggest um high magic by damian eccles hell yeah he's that's real good if you're interested in kind of right hand pathy ish kind of stuff and condensed chaos if you Mm -hmm. are curious about chaos magic what was that podcast series we were talking about earlier that was cool? The, the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Yeah. DTFH. <laughs> it sounds rad as fuck. It's, uh, it's pretty rad. Sometimes it, it gets kind of weird, but like, you That's know. That's the point-ish. I, I would also say, I know I've sent, dropped the name before, but I would recommend Prometheus Rising by Robert oh, yeah. Anton Wilson. I think, I know I've talked about it on the Discord a little bit, but when a lot of occult stuff loses me is at, uh, numerology. And when they start doing occult maths, my brain just turns off, checks out like, oh, I don't give a shit anymore. (laughs) Um, I think he is really good at um, Mm -hmm. not ever really getting into a lot of that. So I I would say that would be a perfect introduction. Um, I mean, I jumped in the deep end. I think the first occult book that I really read was um, the Church of the Subgenius book. And then I read um, Principia Discordia. Uh, those are great, hilarious books, but I would not recommend starting with those. Um, yeah, I... I think my first was the Satanic Bible. I've nice. never read that. Yeah. Uh, um, oh, another suggestion. It's not actually, like, officially any sort of work of magic or anything like that, but uh, Neil Gaiman's The uh, Sandman series uh, has a lot of interesting ties to occult stuff. If that yeah. man's not a wizard, I mean, I would I'm, be surprised. I'm cool with him being think, a wizard. I think he is at least academically. Academically a wizard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I, I backed adored into occultism stuff through uh, a combination of reading uh, <laughs> Camus and getting into absurdism and uh, getting into like very early anarchic thought because uh, there's a lot of uh, thoughts and theories about breaking down uh, society and restructuring things to be in a more humane and uh, love and passioned forward first societies that come from like the works of like Emma Goldman that kind of while she's not an occultic person 
it uh, dovetails very nicely into a lot of uh, chaos magic and certain branches of left hand pass stuff. So I just kind of fell into that by proxy. <laughs> There's a picture of Bob Dobbs on a Sublime CD I had when I was like, <laughs> that's what happened to Amazing. me. Amazing. I, I love uh, that. In high school, when uh, Rock Band, yeah, when Rock Band was real big, mm-hmm. one of my friends, um, he made a lead singer that was Bob Dobbs. And anytime he was playing as the lead singer, all he did was say Bob Dobbs for all the lyrics. Because you don't have to actually say the lyrics. Oh, no. no you no, just have to hit the not. notes. You can moan the whole yeah, time. Yeah. That's what I used to do. <laughs> it was pretty great. It was pretty great just to see Bob Dobbs just up there. Bob Dobbs, Bob Dobbs. Oh, God. The bad thing for me is because I was actually like training to do singing anytime I had the, rocks, the, the rock band mic thing. I could do all the pitching and stuff, but because I was actually singing and projecting, my volume was too loud for the mic, so I always had to hold it like two feet in front of me. Otherwise, it wouldn't actually pick up the pitch correctly because it was a shitty rock band mic and not an actual mic. (laughs) Which Toys. Toys. That's why you should not use toys as instruments. So... Or do. Or do, actually. That's kind of cool. Yes. So, uh, also... toys. uh, The Book of Nod. (laughs) So, uh, the basics for... Oh, I thought I was going to say blood. Blood. I mean, that's a, that's a special toy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, blood magic and VTM. The uh, basic bases for blood magic in VTM, metaplot-wise, can be traced back into the Book of Nod, which we have talked about before, if you want to check that out. It's neat. So the I'm going to try and give the roughest TLDR of the situation, and we're going to have a little dramatic reading. So story time, children, strap in. So Cain fucked up, as we all know, and is cursed by God. And before, so it's just so everybody has a rough understanding of where we are in the timeline, uh, this is before he tells the angels to fuck off. So he's wandering around in the dark by himself, just being Cain the sad boy, as we all know and love him. During this time... Uh, while he's crying and having a, a sad time being cold and hungry and naked, just wandering around in the darkness by himself. Poor lad. Maybe uh, he shouldn't have killed his brother. Maybe should not have done that. Uh, yeah. Gets approached by Lilith. Lilith, who takes the time to explain to him that uh, she is his dad's ex. Hot goth mom. Ha- hot goth mommy. And uh, it basically is like, hey, uh, I'm the person, not only am I your dad's like ex-wife, uh, I am also the one that disagreed with the one above and gained freedom in the darkness. So she basically picks up our sad little broken man and takes him to her house and gives him pants and food and gives him emotional support. Every femme person is cringing. They're just like, oh, I've done this. I've done this. I've I've picked up the damaged person and been like, I can fix. No, he's got to fix himself. That's the lesson. (laughs) But uh, while spending time getting uh, taken care of by hot goth mommy, uh, Kane starts asking, like, hey, so how the fuck are you surviving in the darkness and, like, thriving? And she responds that she has been, quote unquote, awakened. That's not ominous. Well, awakened is a term uh, used in Mage uh, to describe uh, the the character uh, being aware that they have a magical avatar and can do magic. Ah, Okay. That's why people, anyone who is not a mage or generally another kind of supernatural are sometimes called uh, sleepers or mm-hmm. similar. Gotcha. Yeah. I thought they were always just referencing MKUltra. Kind of. A little bit. A <laughs> little, little comedy, a little combi. So Again, it goes back into that perception of reality and they ever is still in a dream while as the mages have awakened to mm-hmm. the true reality of 
Cool. Cool. So did one of you guys want to do the dramatic reading? That's a lot to read. I'll give it a shot. Cool. Hunter, be ready to edit. <clears throat> Abandon me. Oh. Awaken. Oops. Oops. <laughs> Immediately. I'm leaving it in. <laughs> no! No! Awaken me then, Lilith, I said. I have need for this power. Then I can make my own clothes, make my own food, make my own house. Worry creased Lilith's brow. I do not know what the awakening will do for you. You are truly cursed by your father. You could die. Uh, you could be forever changed. Kane said, even so, a life without power will be not worth living. I would die without your gifts. Uh, I will not live as your thrall. Lilith loved me, and as I and I knew this, Lilith would do as what I asked, though she did not wish it. And so Lilith, bright-eyed Lilith, awakened me. She cut herself with a knife, bled for me into a bowl. I drank deep. It was sweet. Cool. Yeah. So I kind of read that. You did. I'm <laughs> proud of you. Uh. Yeah. So they have that exchange, which you might be able to pick up some uh-ohs from Kane during that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. The whole situation, kind of. Yeah. It's, Bit of a problem. Great. Yeah, he's like, hey, I, I want to be independent and do my own things, which is valid, but also just being like, but I desire power. And I'm like, oh, that's... Mm, yeah. That's... And the fact that he specifically mentioned, like, she loves me. She'll do what I said. Right? Which I'm like, oh, that's Woo! red flag. <laughs> yeah. That's fucked. And like we mentioned earlier, usually awakening is something you're supposed to do on your own, through your own work. And mm -hmm. forcing somebody else to do it for you is not healthy or good. Please go to therapy. Anyways, uh, going back to the story. So sad, sad cane daddy, uh after this engages with the four angels that gave him the, the specific vampire curses because mm -hmm. he told the angels and by proxy God to fuck off and they went, well, you will continue to be grounded and it will actually be worse for you <laughs> and all of your progeny. Now you're not stuck in your room. You're stuck in your room without your phone. <laughs> yup. So after that happens, uh, Kane decides to say, fuck you, I'm going to go skateboarding. And by skateboarding, I mean he's going to manifest the powers that become the vampire disciplines. During this process, uh, Lilith shows up and she's like, bro, you got to chill. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Please stop. Please stop. This <laughs> he, is... does, he doesn't stop. He does not. He proceeds to uh, tell Lilith that uh, you can't tell me what to do. And she goes, but I can because I'm more powerful than you. And she forces him to stop. And he's not happy about that. So he tells hot goth mommy to fuck off and then leave leaves the land of Nod. He leaves the land he, of Nod. Yes. He chooses to fuck off. To the mortal world yep. essentially yeah uh there's one more dramatic reading if either of you want to take it i'll take this one i opened myself up once more to the night and i saw the infinite possibility in the stars and i knew that a path of power a path of blood was mine for the taking and so i awakened in me this final path from which all other paths would grow so, fun note about this, uh, in previous editions of Vampire the Masquerade, uh, all the different, like, blood magics had, uh, various sub-schools in them called paths. And they are not to be confused with the paths that the Sabbat had. Yeah, because that's a humanity morality yeah. system thing. That's more like a hermetic, like, belief yeah. system type path, where this is like a blood learning school Yeah, path. but the fun thing is, because of how uh, vague all of this is written, it could actually be talking about either of those things. Yay. Yay! Can we jump back for a second? Yeah, dude, what's up? Um, maybe... Mm. 
It specifically said that he, she, she swoop, cut herself, put it in a bowl. He drank. So she didn't like embrace him. No. Is he technically like a Lilith ghoul? Is that how fucking nuts <laughs> Lilith is? Is Kane is a ghoul? I mean, the thing is like Lilith is complicated and she's like not a vampire because that's right. something Kane did. Like yeah. she's her own thing. She's She shows up in multiple game lines as like an important figure and she's not really any of them. Um... Kane also already was a vampire because of his curse and also his fallen angel status. And so they're already not starting from a human baseline. So what they're doing is already like above and beyond any sort of human level magic. Right. They're setting the baseline for it. Yeah. But like... I guess I was I wasn't saying specifically ghoul, but like the equivalent of because yeah, like you could I mean a werewolf can or a werewolf uh, a vampire can like ghoul other supernaturals yes right so like why would some yeah some yes Uh this might be up to storyteller interpretation yeah <laughs> or what your chronicle is like I just whatever love you... that idea no is it's that, great like, he took a sip and he's essentially her ghoul and this is the ghoul powers he gets. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, right? Right. Uh I I I believe at some point we have plans to do like a little I think uh the Bahari uh cool. stuff as an episode. Um yeah, Lilith is a very complex figure within World of Darkness and also just cultural narratives. Oh yeah. Overall, but uh, go into this understanding that Lilith in World of Darkness has the very 90s feminist, like, girl power bullshit on it without any real, or not as much acknowledgement of its actual historical context as I would like. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Hot uh, power, less substance, you could say. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's complicated. It's a lot. I didn't do that research for this episode, so not right now. That's fair. Um, But yeah, so that is the Book of Nod interpretation for blood sorcery's origins is essentially Cain got these abilities through Lilith and then kind of manifested things on his own. Yeah. So technically any vampire discipline that we doesn't come up in the rest of this episode as its own type of Sorcery is technically blood sorcery, then, you mm -hmm. could argue, because it, anything from, like, uh, Nosferatu turning invisible to um, Ravnos's illusion powers, unless it's, we specifically bring it up, it is technically uh, some of this blood sorcery. Yeah, it, it's all supernatural based, and basically a lot of blood magic overall comes from forcing you, but your will forcing the blood to do a thing. Yeah. But yeah, that's I'm trying to not get too esoteric about this. So gonna break down the the blood sorcery disciplines as best we can in little bite-sized pieces. So I'm gonna start with a a, a blood magic thing that is not officially shown up in V5 really, and I hope it does. It Me showed up a too. little bit. We literally complained that it hadn't in a recent episode. Mm -hmm. So So uh we're starting off by talking about Caldonic sorcery. So cool. Yeah, it's super rad. So Caldonic Sorcery's uh, kind of flavor text is it ties the caster in with spirits of nature and literally ties in the caster with like the land and elements and that kind of stuff. It's very, it, it's giving very Dracula uh, controlling Earth and, you know, causing the storm on the ship on his way into London and rolling fogs and Lord all that of the kind manor. of shit. Yeah. I, I would say most of what Strahd does. If you play D&D, Strahd. It's very Strahd. Strahd yeah. is, would be a Khaldun, I would say, more than anything. I could see it. Yeah. 
In previous editions, uh, caldonic sorcery did not require the spending of blood and was more focused on uh, the willpower of the caster, which really set it apart from like a lot of the other uh, blood magics. It was almost like a relationship or a oneness, mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier, with nature itself and less of a controlling it. Eh, eh. Because, uh, I mean, they didn't necessarily well, like create a foster a relationship. If it was like a relationship, it was probably more like a kind of an abusive relationship where it's mm-hmm. like, I'm gaslighting you and threatening you into doing what I want you to do. To some degree. I think it, it also would depend on the Khaldun, but I imagine a lot of them, especially when they did have large parcels of land, it was just like, oh, the wolves go where I tell them and otherwise I keep them safe. And like, it's, they are protective of their space. They're, they're protective, but you still have to remember that they're called the fiends for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Caldonic Sorcery is mostly associated with the Zemitsi. There are a few bloodlines that their specific, like, occultic practices basically pull from Caldonic Sorcery, looking at you, Leanne, <laughs> but pretty much a Zemitsi thing, and it's mostly taught, it, it has to be taught, and it is not an inherently, like, a discipline, like, aspects or other ones would be where you're just like oh i i got embraced and now i can just do this thing mm-hmm. that's also part of where like we won't get into it until we do our zamitsi in depth but like that's where some of the we'll call them rumors for now the rumors of like there being different kinds of zamitsi in general is because there are these who like know all these powers and there are others who are just doing flesh stuff and they're like you guys seem like Two completely different dudes. Are you sure you're the same thing? Are you yeah. sure you're cousins? It's old clans Zemitsi and clans Zemitsi are almost different clans. Yeah. Kind, yeah. kind of like how in our Malkavian episode, we talked about how like other than the Sabbat for a long time, they lost dementation mm-hmm. completely just so that like the uh, Camarilla would be like, all right, we'll put up with you guys. Yeah, you, yeah. you can function inside. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about uh, things that are in v5 and have not existed in previous editions asterisk kind of i am doing the but actually bridge nodes push now to get ahead of you fucking nerds which is there are paths within certain branches of blood uh sorceries thaumaturges whatever that have a path of alchemy that's not what thin blood alchemy is but if I don't say this now, I know somebody's going to make a fucking shitty comment. Checkmate. Make your, sh- make your shitty comment anyway. <laughs> it'll, it'll just Google. Or not Google. It'll Giggle. make me horny. Wow, <laughs> Hunter. I just like the attention, good or bad. Get it, buddy. That, you know what? Hell yeah. Okay, so. I might edit that out. <laughs> that, was I mean, a, that was pretty aggressive. I mean, I'm kind of here for it. But, you know, you do you. I trust you. You're also Hunter's the editor, so he's yeah, going to decide. Yeah. Uh, so Thin Blood Alchemy. Uh, this is technically new and exclusive for V5. Um, this process involves channeling the power uh, through distillation process of some sort, involving a combination of Vitae, mortal blood of the proper resonance, and usually some other ingredients. Drain cleaner. Yeah, sometimes literally. <laughs> <laughs> so there's three... Anathors, uh, basically these are alchemical furnaces. Fun note. Anathor comes from the Arabic uh, al-tanur or a tanur, which is a traditional underground oven. Neat. Yeah, so kind of a fun thing there. But yeah, so there's three basic methods for processing thin blood alchemy. There is corporis, which is you brew it inside of yourself. You are going to slam the ingredients in your body 
and you're going to make a stamina and alchemy check as well as a rouse check. What happens if you fail the first one? Uh, it doesn't it happen. It doesn't work? Okay. Yeah. I, I, fig- you... I figured, because you're still a vampire, but I figured if you're like, I'm going to chug this, uh, you know, snack pack of blood and this three cups of bleach. If you fail that stamina check, I was like, "Does that is that going to hurt? <laughs> I mean, you'd probably have to throw it up. Yeah. And depending on if you like bestial fail, there right. might be some other complications. Yeah. I, I might say as an ST, just like, yeah, that might burn you up a little bit inside just because like, I mean, you could probably drink poison as a vampire and not notice. But bleach specifically has effects on flesh that yeah, you're just really dumping it inside yourself you might you might take a superficial damage or two just for like putting caustic materials that are going to erode you and cause damage Mm -hmm. possibly you probably won't die i would say on like a bestial fail i would be like your beast doesn't want you to throw it up because you you got that blood in you Mm -hmm. and so now it's stuck in you you're going to take a superficial yeah Yeah, so basically your hunger stays the same because you're hurting yourself, mm-hmm. but you're also keeping the blood in you because yeah. you want it. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so there you go. Got got some fun flavor text for you. It's like eating celery. The digestion uses more calories than the celery contains. Yeah, mm-hmm. dude. But celery and hummus though, fucking slaps. Good stuff. Uh, but yes. Then we also have calcinato, calcinatio, Blech. calcinatio. Anyways, uh, I had to be racist for a second. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways uh this one is you brew your concoction inside of uh, somebody else usually a mortal this will involve a manipulation and alchemy role and the established uh distillation cost some of that will depend on what the fuck you're doing it'll say it in the text hmm. um to be able to use what you've distilled in your person the alchemist must consume the hunger rating equal to the power of the formulae so if you're doing like a formula or level three formulae in a person, you got to drink three hunger dots worth of blood to get the effect from them. Oh, dang. So if you're doing really high powered shit, you are just going to be cranking. Kill people. Yup. Yup. And yeah, so that one's, that one's kind of, that one's kind of fun. And technically it is a, uh, uh, kind of a one use per person, but you can distill things in people in a way where they're just constantly hmm. producing this. So you could have essentially like your potion ghoul. Yeah, you could have a blood doll that does like a couple of blood dolls that are dedicated low tier formulae, just juice boxes. Cool. Uh, the high Good tier. Thing to do with your herd. Right. High tier ones, though. I'm just like, mm, you better start picking people that you do not give a fuck about. <laughs> <laughs> and then there is uh, Fixie. Look, Greg, I gotta, I, I really gotta be able to pick up this like semi truck and throw it with my brain. I'm gonna need you to come here. That's that one's. A- <laughs> Oh, it was the truck. Then yeah, I was like, wait, that's a low tier one. I'm like, no, not that. No, not that strength. Semi truck. No, no, that's a higher one. You're correct. <laughs> and then there's fixadio, which is you brew something in some sort of a vessel. This is kind of more your traditional alchemist, mad scientist, like Herbert Westy kind of oh, kind of shit. Oh, so like that video? Did I send that to you? I know I sent it mm. to you. That video I sent of the guy who showed us how to drink an entire six pack of beer in one shot. Yeah. You did not send that to me. Oh, he it took a whole six pack of beer. He boiled it down to where it was like carbonate, like carbon at the bottom of the pan. And then he took it and he ground it up really fine. Then he made espresso with it. That's amazing. He almost threw up. <laughs> I don't blame him. Also, that's... it would have boiled all the alcohol out. Yeah. Of it. It, yeah. Would have it was just made it awful. Nearly, nearly useless. It would have like 
powdered bread as this water is essentially what he made. Powdered burnt bread. Gross. But yeah, it's like it's but like, like that. that. Yeah. <laughs> so this will involve an intelligence and alchemy roll plus whatever the distillation cost is going to be for whatever you're making. You can carry a number of fixed formulae of any level equal to your wits or dexterity, usually whichever's higher on your person. And uh, yeah, this is the Dr. Jekyll, Miss, Mr. Hyde kind of levels of just shenaniganry. Mm-hmm. It's my personal favorite, but you know, do what you want with your characters. Have fun. I have been itching to play a Thin Blood. It's super fun. It's because they're one of the few clans I know the least about. Yeah, it's it's one of those like shockingly the meta plot. If you create a whole group of people that are potents of the end times, people tend to not like having them around. So they've just like not been around in a lot of games until recently. So. Little note on this, uh, Thin Bloods can learn formulae, gaining one per level of alchemy bots. Every time you buy a level, you get a formulae. Uh, along with this, you can purchase more formulaes through XP and experimentation. Um, some of these can involve counterfeiting disciplines and actual blood sorceries. Uh, just run this past your ST. Yeah. See, that's what, that's another thing, another point that I think mm-hmm. gives um, credence to you should be able to buy more than one power on a dot for disciplines yeah because thin blood can just be like i need to fake that i have this i need to fake that i can have this yeah i think the the counterbalance on this for thin bloods is one they do have to go through this distillation process right which is more costly than just having a discipline and having to maintain a hunger rating um i do i have home ruled that um Every time you buy a blood sorcery, though, you do at least get one ritual that's like of that same level because I feel like that balances then blood alchemy and blood sorcery a little bit better because technically you're not supposed to, according to the book. And I'm just like, "Mm, fuck that. It seems weird that you'd spend all this time studying to get to the next level of a sorcery, but then you wouldn't study the things that go along with that just seems weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like. I don't know. It it it's weird. It, it reminds me of like a D and D where you have a spell book and you're like, well, I have all these level four and five spells written down. I just can't use them. <laughs> They're just in my book until I can use them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like because you you can find a scroll and copy it. Mm-hmm. But I assume, I I think it makes sense that as you're learning the ritual, that's what gives you the power to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A, more so in my mind anyway yeah just run things past your sts just to be sure because you know i don't i don't want to take away player fun but i also in trying to not taking away player fun want to disrupt the fun of other people yeah so there's that but also remember world of darkness is not pathfinder or D &D Mm -hmm. or these preset super crunchy adventures where you're expected to do a certain amount of damage per hour or you'll make the game less or more effective not that kind of game, so... Yeah, you can no. Usually fudge it a little bit. Yeah, go ahead and fudge it. Why not? Uh, chaos. Anyway, so we're at V5, uh, blood magic stuff that has also existed in previous editions. So, hooray. So the first thing we're going to talk about is blood sorcery. Uh, the flavor for this is basically you're twisting the power of your own blood to your will, which is very left-hand pathy. I feel chaos magic-y. As opposed to, but then there's also the way the Tremere tend to do things, which is very right-hand path, because there's a lot of hierarchical orders. Like, well, you can't do this ability until you've reached this level of enlightenment, which involves getting to this level within the pyramid. And yeah. mm-hmm. The pyramid itself is very right-hand path, but some of their mm-hmm. beliefs themselves are very, I mean, you could argue that different Tremere secret societies also have different belief structures and different paths, and that 
that's a that's when we do Tremere part three someday. <laughs> we're not not for a hot minute but yeah so just have fun with this and exploring these themes in your game we're just presenting them so within the uh the the meta plot uh world darkness basically blood sorcery now is kind of split and it's got this weird split history thing which is interesting so the Tremere swear up down that they founded thaumaturgy blood sorcery following the founding of their clan in 1022 they're like i did this yeah we we, we talked about it in our recent history episode yep. when they became a clan that's when they say that blood magic started or blood sorcery specifically yes. uh the bana hakim have things to say about that <laughs> which is uh the bana hakim can trace their practice of uh blood sorcery for fucking thousands of thousands and thousands of years back so uh hakim the hunter who is the founder for the bana hakim is said to have been embraced and made his haven within the first city around 8,000 BC, which is about 10,000 years ago. Uh, Hakim established three sects within the clan, which is the viziers uh, or scholars, the warriors, and then the magi sorcerers. Uh, each of these different sects have their own like focus, studied, and abilities. Quietus, which the V5 book says is what uh, Bana Hakim sorcery was called. It's not quite correct. Because Quietus was wielded usually by the warrior class and used for judging the wicked, protecting cities, and working as mercenaries and assassins. Cool. So you want to do your Batman stuff, that's what that would be. And it had a weird combo of some of it was magic-y stuff and some of it was nuking sound so like people can't hear you sneaking up. And also making yourself poison. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then there is It's a the... weird combo of kind of like obfuscate and blood sorcery. Yeah, it which is really fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then there was the Duran Kai, which is was wielded specifically by the Magi sect as a form of blood sorcery pre predating European influence, focusing on astrology, talismans, and controlling spirits. Hmm. Um this practice was also used by some of the North African Libon, uh, and the practice itself's like name was basically transfers to Master of Heaven and Earth. So it's very ancient practices going back for thousands of thousands of years that are not Eurocentric. And then shockingly, the Europeans were like, "I did this." Like, no, 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 no. Like, what you're saying is not no, no, obviously this, wrong. You're just, yeah. Kind of, kind of like what I was talking about with a lot of New Age beliefs. Yeah, like why yeah. it's such a nightmare, Gordian knot. It's kind of the same bucket of fish there. Yeah, and you know, it's totally not like the basis for a lot of Western uh, science uh, is taken from the fact that a big swath of the Pan Arab community were taking ancient texts when European society was collapsing and translating them into Greek and Arabic and keeping them in libraries in Baghdad or anything. Nah. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> it's partially why um, we don't really, a lot of historians don't really use the term Dark Ages anymore. I know there's a whole game line in Vampire called the Dark Ages, but the Dark Ages were really only kind of dark for Europe while the rest of the world was kind of thriving to some degree in like the sciences and stuff. <laughs> yeah. But, but we're kind of like, well, it was bad in the UK. So uh, it was an evil time, dark period. But really the church was just like, well, stop thinking. Um, <laughs> it was the Dark Ages because Europeans forgot how bathing worked. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're like very, quite literally. There are very few, like, as someone who's Swedish, a lot yeah. of my um, history has been taken over by real lame dudes. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite old historical notes is from when um, some Swedish men came through 
I believe it was through London mm-hmm. in trade, and they complained that they were too feminine, that they bathed themselves and mm-hmm. washed themselves with flowers, and that they were stealing all of the European women because they uh, were clean. Yeah, that <laughs> was that was kind of a complaint during like the the Viking era within Britain and like France and Germany, basically all where all the ratings were happening. Was uh yeah, these Viking guys would show up and they like combed their hair. And the ladies thought that was hot. I'm not saying that there's a parallel to that now. I'm just saying. Uh, <laughs> yeah, hint, guys. Hint, wink, hint, wink. hint. Hey, guys, if you like learn how moisturizer works and don't use the combo shampoo and conditioner, I swear to God, you'll slay more puss. I swear on God. Don't get the combo, sh- combo shampoo conditioner that comes in the fish shaped bottle. Like, get, you know, get yeah. some like. Um, Jack Black or so, like a nice brand of combo or, soap, something that smells good. Yeah, or you know, fucking sunscreen. Sunscreen to you guys, a world of good. Anyways, uh, yeah. So, uh, have fun with the debate between the Tremere and the Bana Hakim about like occultic practices, because I've thrown that shit into games and character, and it's actually really fun. I mean, I'm gonna say that it shouldn't be a debate because. Tremere stole literally everything they've ever done. So, yeah, and it, it, it's an in-game parallel to a lot of historical events, yeah, and it's kind of using that in the, the meta plot in the game to explore other themes is interesting and fun, and I enjoy that kind of shit. Also, just please don't be a shithead, or if you're going to have a character that's a shithead, clearly make them be a shithead, and they should be punished for it. Yeah. Hooray. So and be ready for it when it happens. Mm-hmm. So basically, uh, blood sorcery in V5 is broken up into sorcery, like spells and rituals. So the sorceries, you get one per level. Uh, Basically, these cost the regular discipline costs, rules, just follow all that. Uh, At the first blood sorcery, you get one free ritual. I have home ruled that you just get a ritual per thing. It hasn't fucked up any of my games yet. But, you know, do what you want at your table. Uh, dice pools are explained along with other effects. So if you are going to have a sorcery ability, they all have slightly different dice pools. Some of them don't really have a rule. Just much like Magic Gathering cards, read the rules. That's the rules. Just follow it. I trust yeah. you. There are also those handy cards. And I they're the official ones. They're the no longer um, completely accurate older official ones. And I've seen multiple people making their own spell cards. Oh, I've been making my own discipline cards and spell cards like a fucking psycho. And I'm, I've got enough cards now. I actually need to make a box to put them all in because I can't just carry them with a rubber band anymore. They are nice. they are handy, though. When you, yeah, they're pretty great. When you don't need to want to pull out a full fucking book to be like, how oh. does this one ability work when you can just... Oh, yeah, no, just... Because what I've done for our game with the the DIY cards is uh, whatever disciplines people have at the table, I just pull those cards out and then just whack it in the middle of the table. So if anybody's like confused, you can just grab your cards and go, ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Danny and I used to specifically just sit next to each other because our characters shared some of the cards. So we just put those in between us. Yeah, no. And nice. be like, oh. Yeah, it was a good little system. But yeah, to wrap up the sorcery things, uh, dice pools will be explained on the ability. Just roll the dice pools as I say. Uh, some of the sorcerers will require a rouse check. Some of them require two rouse checks. Just keep that in mind. Uh, the I ritual- mean, it's the same for disciplines. Yeah, 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 Those higher level disciplines oftentimes take two. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so rituals. Uh, you can learn as many rituals as you want, provided that you are able to spend the XP and the time cost and the plot allows it. But given all those factors, you can technically just have as many rituals as you want. It's fine. Uh, new rituals will cost the ritual level times three in XP. 
the uh, new rituals will require uh, the cost of yeah that. And then the time cost is the square root of the ritual level in weeks to learn. Okay. Yeah, I know. I actually have it written down as an equation in the script. <laughs> mm. I can share these with people in a handy dandy thing if you want, because unfortunately, for some reason in the book, all of these ritual notes are written in two different segments that are like pages away from each other. And for a reference point, it's a big kick in the dick and I hate it. You, so, could, al- you could also as an ST be like, oh, well, you had someone helping you learn this. So it, it went yeah. quicker or you know, same way you can learn disciplines from other people. Yeah, it's just a guideline, I think, to keep blood sorcery characters from power gaming their disciplines and being like, I have like 12 rituals now. And I'm just like, yeah, now you've become way more powerful than everybody else discipline wise because of this. So we just need to limit you like a little bit. Yeah. I think that's what I was kind of trying to get at earlier is yeah. like, it seems like blood. It seems like blood sorcery is kind of like second ed D and D wizards, mm-hmm. where at first you're like, "Oh God, please don't touch me, please don't look at me." But then by the time you get to like level nine, you're like, "Um, I am a god. I summon a black hole in the middle of that room." Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? <laughs> but like having experience being a player that does like go into blood sorcery, it is such an XP sink. Yeah, that it really limits your ability to like build up background dots, Mm. build up literally anything the fuck else. So if you're going to do blood sorcery, like that's what the fuck you do. That makes sense for a character Mm -hmm. that's going to be dedicating themselves. So How many people do you know that have dedicated themselves to wizardry and like actually doing magic and that's all they fucking do? (laughs) So yeah, quick, quick wrap this up. So ritual cost is ritual level times three plus the time cost, which is the ritual level squared in weeks. Um, often rituals will require ingredients and rituals have a uh, ritual casting time. So that involves a rouse check and you're going to roll int and blood sorcery. The difficult will be the ritual level plus one and the time cost will be five minutes per level. Okay. So if you're doing a level three ritual, it is going to take you 15 minutes. Keep this cool. in mind for your game shenanigans. Right. Imagine. Can you do a ritual like ahead of time? Can you be like, I want to be able to throw this lightning bolt when I need it. I will perform the ritual now and hold on to it. Depends, because there's some rituals that are written that way. So like wards, you technically do the ritual ahead of time, but you don't actually roll the ritual until somebody fucks with the ward. Okay. Yeah, but I believe if unless stated like a ward, now it could be wrong, but I believe otherwise... You, you basically can have up to a scene. Mm-hmm. So like if you ready something and then, oh, well, we're going to go in the car and go drive 20 minutes somewhere, then it's done. Mm-hmm. You can't yeah. just in, sit there and be like, I'm waiting. You can't just edge it all game, basically. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, if you want to as a player, I would recommend the storyteller be like, you got to start rolling like fucking resolve checks. Yeah, yeah. Or you're going to have to start doing rouse checks because you're basically forcing your blood to be in this state of whatever and you might end up burning through it Mm -hmm. as a counterbalance i like that idea because i mean it's all also kind of like when you're doing like sigil work where you Mm -hmm. just have to like dedicate all of your thought and what that to your sigil kind of same thing in this ritual where you're just like i have to keep a hold of whatever's going on in my head I, yeah, I can't so let other things be, be tainting the, the thought, you know? Yeah, so it's basically just different ways of doing, like, concentration checks, which yeah, you could I do, like, like resolve an int. I could see it as resolve composure, resolve in stamina. I could just do it as a flat, just like, hey, I need another rouse check just to, like, mm-hmm. maintain what you're doing. 
this is another thing too that I would suggest using in tandem with some of the things I've suggested in like our combat episode or expanded rules episode where it's like you can have some players fighting and have other dramatic things happening that make combat more interesting than just Mm -hmm. a slugfest like yeah it's cool have the two ventru play chess while like a bunch of uh, gangrel are biting it down or like throwing fists and maybe the termier's like i gotta get this ritual done right or maybe you know or termier's got to get this ritual done while someone else is trying to stop them and uh, your your bruja are holding them back yeah Yeah. i say i think our most successful sessions of me esting for v5 is when the party did split and they're doing separate things and i was basically would run two players doing a scene until we hit a dramatic beat and then i would smash cut Mm-hmm. to the other players and basically was kind of trying to use like film language editing to kind of bounce between you guys yeah, yeah. so that like t- i would try to like maintain tension but like not spend the entire like fucking 30 minutes on one group and then the other group gets bored and adhd and fucks off mm-hmm. where it's like okay you guys get to this point a rising action all right snap to this group swoosh i was I was actually reading a for another project that uh, Skipper and I are working on. Keep your eyes out. But I was reading another um, random role playing book and I really admired that um, it recommended um, using like three minutes as a rule Mm -hmm. for things like pretty Mm -hmm. often just like three minutes is um, long enough that like, oh, yeah, that character is knocked out timer three minutes. They're out of the scene for three minutes. And it's long enough for there to be tension and consequences, but no one's getting bored. Uh, you can yeah. even use three minutes, three to five minutes. Yeah, for three like... to five minutes, I think, is about where our beats kind of worked out. Because it also kind of worked out so the group that wasn't engaged in activity could strategize amongst each other. Or if somebody wanted to fuck off and get a beer and come back, like you had time to do that, but you were still like engaged in what's going on. I think mm-hmm. that worked pretty okay. Yeah. Plus, storytellers, keep in mind ritual time limits because then you now have a dramatic timer for npcs and player characters to do things yeah exactly like mm-hmm. um like you said it's five minutes per level 15 mm-hmm. minutes is a long time it's when you're someplace you're not supposed to be yeah i'm not saying have a stopwatch and just have that running i am still <laughs> a big proponent um i haven't been doing it because we've been running Shadowrun, and I think that's just unfair considering the amount of mm-hmm. mental work that playing and running Shadowrun already has. Nice. But I, I, I am a big proponent of like sand timers mm. or little timers of just like flipping that over and letting your players look at that like little timer run. And then they stop making jokes and start actually doing. If you have a party that's a bit of a goof them around, and sand you want to have timer, egg timer, egg timer, I, chess timer. I really like the um, just okay. So you've been arguing out loud in the middle of this hallway for the past five minutes. Mm-hmm. You hear some footsteps. Yeah. That'll usually kick somebody in a gear too. I need to get a chess <laughs> timer because I feel like having that dramatic scene running and then just being like slamming the two buttons <laughs> between the guys would just be very very cathartic for me as a storyteller. Well, you also get a time the two different groups, so you'd be like, "Oh wow, you still have ten minutes on that ritual." <laughs> Next, so what do you, you got to catch up in the timeline, my guy. What are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> that could be really cool. But yeah, so the final, the final uh, magic practitioner practice school that we're going to talk about is necromancy. Mm. Yay. Yes. So uh, give this... me some zombos. Exactly. So this is blood magic used to work with the dead, wraiths, and the shadowlands slash abyss. Uh, just a quick reminder for everybody: the abyss is an elder, otherworldly eldritch realm of darkness. It does have its own abyssal mysticism. We will cover that in the abyss deep dive series. It gets wild. 
And then the Shadowlands is a ghostly reflection of our world. Our world is called the Skinlands. This comes from <laughs> Wraith. The... I don't like that. I know. It's great, the but also... Skinlands. For somebody who's a big fucking Zamitsi stan, I'm surprised that you're just I mean, like, ugh. It's cool, but it sounds gross. Yeah. <laughs> so this comes from Wraith the Oblivion. This also has many layers and realms and its own lore and tons of shit. We will cover that in a Shadowlands deep dive, but that's the basics you need to know for this. Uh, traces uh, for necromancy can go all the way back to like the practice of Mortis by the Cappadocians and is used by all various bloodlines within the Hakata. So in the European context, it traces back to the Cappadocians and all their ancient Greek fucking weird death bullshit. But, you know, you also have, like, the, the the Samdi that have their own practices, and then there's other groups that have practices that tie into, like, North African and some Eastern and some South American indigenous practices. All of that shit goes to the Hakata now. Yeah. Hooray. Uh, kind of. Kind of hooray. <laughs> kind of hooray. Hooray, because it... it's easier to get into and understand. Kind of not hooray, because that's all they fucking gave us in the players. I, I feel like it's harder to explain. It... Also, we'll get into that when we do our Hakata episodes, yeah, question mark. I, I, that's part of the reason why I wanted to do this magic primer is to kind of dip our toes and to be like, okay, here's the basics for the necromancy so you have a framework because other clans also have interactions with various parts of the Hakata. And once we get there and hopefully by giving that context, when we eventually get to the fucking Hakata episode, yeah. I don't have to spend a whole episode fucking explaining what the fuck necromancy is in the Shadowlands. We've already had done that by then. Refer to this episode. Yep. I so, guess if you're listening at this point, though, you already have referred to this episode. So good job following instructions. You did it. Yeah. All right. So Western necromancy was broken down into two paths. There was the principle of authority, which categorizes various supernatural entities into a hierarchy that can be manipulated via symbols and rituals. The more powerful the entity requires more powerful the ritual and symbols. Funny, that's very like right-hand path necromancy. It is. <laughs> which is like the opposite of what right-hand path usually is. Well, it's... Because you're trying to get a hold of like celestial beings or like infernal beings, quote unquote, but you're not trying to contact the dead in right-hand path. Uh, yeah, this is basically like, what if we took Kabbalic thought, but then like put it with corpses and ghosts? Neat. Neat. And again, I mean, but like uh, I'm not down in it at all. It's cool. I mean, it's also like Sarah said, traces back to a lot of like old Greek necromancy and stuff, which I technically would probably classify as right hand magic, but it's just not the right hand magic most people think of first because right. it's not like OTO. It's a different school. Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. a, it's literally just a different school. Yeah. So, and then there's also the principle of taboo, uh, which is uh, has the concept of social rules holding power, and by transgressing or breaking these social norms, you can pull power from that. So, the more important of that taboo, uh, and thus transgressing the taboo would cause more of a kerfuffle. The more power the necromancer is able to wield. Wild. You, you could. This is has direct parallels to a lot of like modern meme magic or mm -hmm. internet. Uh, belief systems, um, which I do not have time to get into at all. No, um, I literally have a stack of documentaries across from me right now about this. Um, <laughs> yep. I'm looking at it. So um, not that I would say I'm a fan necessarily, but that is something like a more modern take on that idea. Uh, if you feel like going down that rabbit hole, um, yeah, like so a lot of meme magic and is taboo breaking, you know, yeah, for sure. Or, yeah, just kind of 
gaining power by hijacking the power dynamics within a social interaction uh which also get yeah gets into the, the weird esotericism that comes with like marketing and a bunch of other shit and certain forms of like performance art and uh actually a lot of postmodern art involves a lot of like breaking down these concepts of like how we engage with interactions and th- anyways so we if we were even talking <laughs> about uh millennial cringe mm-hmm. earlier like you could even art make arguments about like improv everywhere and like <laughs> scene hijacking yeah, like, Colin Robinson again. Yeah, or mm-hmm. or like, you know, just like you're you're just trying to ride the fucking train home and now there's like 12 white people singing some shitty song on the subway oh, about something like that kind of like improv everywhere yeah, like gross. Yeah, also my brain on the train and 13 like people dressed up as chickens come in and they're just like, like we're doing a flash mob and I'm like god no. They throw seeds on the floor and start no. picking them up. That that is a form of like taboo breaking. Yeah. Yeah, and there's something to be said about like the taboo breaking with doing nonviolent uh protest and direct action and that kind of stuff, but my brain's also now like, but Colin Robinson as a Hakata, though, would be amazing. <laughs> Anywho, so with these two concepts, uh, it's going to explain how necromancy works now for V5. So with necromancy and odd tenebration being folded together into oblivion in V5, things have shifted a little bit from that previous practice. So the Hakata focus on pulling the powers of entropy from the underworld. Underworld is part of the Shadowlands. I will get yes. into that more in, Dale, in depth later. You just need to understand those two things are tied. Uh, these powers often put stains on the caster's humanity for ever-increasing need of macabre acts. Uh, are we talking like digging up corpses yep. and like yep. sewing corpses together? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, you know, uh, blood sacrifices, so on and so forth. Right. Needing teeth of specific kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Uh the book cites that Rouse checks for oblivion power or a ceremony uh, with when you get a result of a one or a ten on that roll, you get a stain. Woo. It's much like the Lissambra doing oblivion. If they get a crit, they get a stain mm-hmm. for just engaging with this power. In addition uh, to any hunger gain. So if you do the Rouse check, you fail it and you got the one. Not only do you get a step hungrier, you also have a stain on your humanity. Hooray, fun times. Uh, if the user's blood potency allows for rerolls on the rouse check, they can pick either of the two results. So being a high humanity <laughs> necromancer might behoove you. Yeah. Just saying. So, yeah, because that has caused some confusion because I've known players that played La Sombra and then they, we got the Hakata stuff and they're like, oh, wait, so if they use Oblivion, they don't get stains. I'm like, no, they do. It was just not written in a part of the book that people were expecting. So I just mm. want to make sure it's on page 204 if you don't believe me in Cult of the Blood Gods. Nice. So the set of powers that is focused on necromancy in the traditions with the Hakata very much mirrors the mechanics for blood sorcery. So if you understand one, this one should be pretty much the same follow through. So you get Oblivion, which you get one power per level. They follow the regular discipline costs and rules. Dice pools are explained along with the effects. Just read the ability to know what the fucking dice pool is. Uh, You get one free ceremony at first level. That's the only freebie you're supposed to get. You can house rule that if you want. Do what you're going to do. Often these abilities require a a rouse check, sometimes two. Pretty simple. So instead of having rituals, you have ceremonies. Uh, Ceremonies uh, have oblivion requirements along with the XP and time cost. Uh, Check the book to know which oblivion powers you have to have as a prerequisite to learn certain ceremonies. It's a whole fucking tree. Just read it. You're an adult. I believe in you. (laughs) Uh, New ceremonies cost uh, 
ceremony level times three plus the square root of the ceremony level in weeks to learn as well as the oblivion power requirement. Cool. Moving on. Uh, these often require ingredients and sacrifices. Sometimes Whoa. you got to kill an animal, sometimes a person, sometimes part of yourself. I think there's a ritual or ceremony where you have to like cut off a finger or an ear of yourself to do it, I think. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you're like a vampire. That. It'll come back. It'll come back. Eventually. But you still got to cut your finger off, so yeah. that sucks. Well, you know. Um, <laughs> and the damage that comes with that. Mm-hmm. What's that? Like a soup? I'll take a superficial damage. Oh, that's fine. But you're also, like, missing a finger. People might notice that. That oh. might make, you know. Hmm. You I, don't know. Need, I don't need a pinky. Look, I, I used to work in a factory, okay? Why do you got to remind me? That was a really a hard time in my life when I lost my, <laughs> lost my left pinky that I don't use for anything. <gasps> Just more of a, you know, the mob connections yeah. kind of kind of a vibe. Um, yeah, and performing a ceremony where usually requires a rouse check. You'll be ro rolling Resolve and Oblivion, with the difficulty being the ceremony level plus one, and it also takes five minutes per level to cast. So pretty right. similar. Yeah, there it's I almost like verbatim copy pasted the rules that I had in Blood Sorcery and put them down here for Oblivion ceremonies. Minus the just make sure you have their right Oblivion power for the ceremonies you want to learn. Yeah. So yeah, and the fact that they're called ceremonies, I think, adds an interesting level of just like practice and tradition and formality with it as opposed to rituals where you're just kind of like slamming things together. <laughs> so, you know, that's fun. So yeah, final thoughts. We did uh Magic 101 basics of vampire blood magic i hopefully didn't explain things poorly <laughs> i mean i'm no more confused than i ever had was so. <laughs> good you did good. that at least no, okay. no i think we did a good job no, if I, we didn't do a good job yell at sarah online yeah yell at me <laughs> i um i'll find you i definitely think that this was a good starting point it's something I've kind of not made any characters that use any of these abilities. Just partially, just been too lazy to learn mm -hmm. how they all. But um, each of these could have its own episode, um, and probably will to some degree. But I think this was a good setup. I think you could take this as a first step into learning these magics for yourself at the table. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, and also just was like, hey, well, we just left uh, the magic month, and. Some of this, some of these concepts do carry over into other clans and other bullshit. So I didn't want to just have a whole uh, Tremere lecture on magic because they don't technically have the uh, the the chokehold on magic like they like to act and think they do. Mm -hmm. There are other people that use these abilities, and there's uh, much further expansions upon it within uh, various books that are within the raw V5 line, as well as things in the Storyteller's Vault. Because I didn't even get into, like, the Ministry have a Storyteller's Vault book that gives them their own mysticisms. There's, like, rituals that you can learn within the various occults within Cults of the Blood Gods. Tons of shit. I just wanted to give, like, a basic, here's a framework, here's an understanding, and then we can all build upon it through there as we go through this adventure of whatever the fuck this show is. It's yeah. like a barn. Mm-hmm. You gotta set a foundation. Yeah. Um, we also need a village. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was also gonna say, even beyond that, like, there is some forms of 
magic that show up, like we mentioned a little bit in Hunter, that would could be, become applicable to a vampire mm-hmm. game very quickly. Um, and I'm sure Werewolf will have We're, that. Yeah, Werewolf tends to be a very spiritually philosophical game. So some of these concepts and themes and forms might come up in that book. So be aware. <laughs> Hooray. Yes. And also, you know, like we mentioned, Mage exists. Just, just Mage. Um, and then, like, Changeling is very tied into, like, more folk, traditional, druidic beliefs. Um, so, I mean, this kind of baseline is something that you could take throughout the entirety of the World of Darkness. Shit, we mentioned the Abyss and all that. Wraith. Mm-hmm. That's, that's Wraith's going to come up at some um, point. Fuck. Yeah, so hopefully uh, going through the lens of vampire gives a good start for us exploring these topics and other things. So hooray. Um, Thank you, Paralyzed, for music. Music is good. Hooray. Uh, It do be good. It do be good. They do exist on Bandcamp. Uh, We exist in the social medias currently on Twitter. We'll see how the fuck that goes. Um, I'm planning on us staying there until the platform fucking collapses. Yeah, if, <laughs> it'll be if, fun to watch. It'll be least. fun to watch. Yeah, if, I have kind of jettisoned almost all of my personal social media outside of Discord. But um, if there is some one of these new emerging social medias that you'd like to see us on, um, let us know. I'm open to trying things. Um, frankly, there's just too many, and it doesn't seem like there's any sort of group consensus on where people are actually going but if there is a space that's like very ttrpg goth vampire weird kid freak people uh you think we'd be vibing with we definitely at least check it out is vampire freak still a thing uh it is not a forum anymore it is just a fashion it's just a clothing store which is fine makes Uh, sense maybe we should just try to bring back force our way into making their clothing brand a forum again <laughs> right but currently we do also have us on instagram at blank bodies pod i know we're on tumblr at blank bodies podcast or pod just pod pod okay uh we do exist on tiktok as blank bodies podcast i apologize for dropping the ball on that i've been dealing with a lot of personal bullshit and just not been able to do it so hopefully uh, the next week or two, I'll actually be responding to things and making videos and answering hopefully World of Darkness questions on there. So hooray. Yeah. Um, also, we mentioned Twitter, but uh, Twitter, you now have to pay to make fucking polls on Twitter. So we have decided that from now on, we are going to be moving all of our polls to our Patreon. So those are going to be exclusive for our Patreon supporters. We... Um, we're going to try and do some more. I recently ran one um, where I just threw a bunch of script ideas I had of an episodes I thought about was thinking about writing and uh, just saw what you guys were interested in. And I, I picked like the top couple and just started working on them. It's your fault. The next couple of episodes. It's your guys's fault. Yes. Also, fuck giving Elon money. You should give us money instead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're better people and we've never exploited uh, uh, the Zambian people from their emerald deposits. Nope. That's true. Um, I've never done that. I've never owned an emerald. I've never been to Zambia. Um, <laughs> that is also true, I suppose. I've never been to Zambia. I would love to go to Africa, honestly, because yeah. there's, there's lots of parts of it that sound really fucking cool, and the music scene, at least from everything I've heard from Africa, fucking slaps, mm-hmm. and various foods I've had has been really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, over on our Patreon, uh, we have a bunch of tiers uh five dollars gets you a special discord titled our discord title 
our Discord is open for everyone, but we have a little special Patreon chat where I ask random questions on things I'm working on, uh, and you can give us direct feedback. Please give us direct feedback. We're fucking stupid. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we, we love hearing what you guys like and don't like. It, it, it always makes my day when someone's like, I really like that you guys mentioned that, or like, oh, you should do this. Like, I, I'm like, I should do that. Yeah. Extra um, resources? Peer pressure Hell works yeah. on me. Peer pressure does um, work on you. Um... Yeah. Uh, also, we might be low-key having some uh, announcements for summer activities soon, so keep an eye out for that. I need to get clearance on if we can actually make the announcements yet, but uh, soon. Yes, soon. soon. We got some big projects. We do. We've, we've got <sighs> a lot in the tube. Um, and I also want to thank uh, not just Discord titles and poll voting. Um, we also have a new harpy. I want to thank Fergan in the server. Thank you, friend. Um, Fergan. And uh, being a harpy, uh, 25 a month, it gets you all the voting and stuff. And you also get a character sketch, black and white. If you do it for a full year, you get a color sketch. Hell yeah. I will do illustrations for uh, monies because I understand the economy sucks and i want to make it worth your while outside of the work that we're doing so hooray um we also have our interview series so if you have projects that you do that you want to share with the community uh whether it is goth or music or ttrpg or art or whatever it can, if it feels like it can vaguely be involved in our community we're happy to hear from you about that yeah so i i love doing uh interviews they're always fun uh if anything if you think you and i could vibe and make it interesting for other people to listen to for a half hour minimum like hit me up we'll, we'll chat for a while it'll be fun yeah if you practice any of these uh occult traditions and you just feel like teaching me you can do that too reach out hell yeah, yeah. we I don't mean, have to record I, it you can just tell me how to do cool stuff i yeah. think those could also make good bonus episodes as we get into these topics like we mentioned like we're not the people to be talking about like kabbalism but like yeah maybe you are yeah, right. I, Let I, us know. I, I've tried to spend a little bit of time researching uh, like pan-Islamic uh, occult practices. So just like that whole region, whether it is actually tied into Islam or not. And it's fucking fascinating and I love it. But I'm like, I am definitely not the person who should be teaching fucking anyone else about that shit. So, yeah, we're here for learning things, and you can contact us to con uh, to get that organized at uh, blankbodies at gmail. Yeah. So, I think we've done it. We've, we've done the thing. We've done the thing. I, I have earned, I have done my wizard's uh, uh, cost. I deserve a wizard's sandwich. Is that just a ham and cheese sammy? It's a hot dog without a bun. No. I was kind of hoping for a gyro, honestly. Oh. Like, I think what we've learned is it's anything you want it to be. It can be anything. Yeah. A wizard sandwich <laughs> is anything you want it to be. I just don't, I, I, I don't consent to eating cum, but beyond that, yes. Fair. <laughs> well, that, that's a note. I think that's a note to leave you all on. Yeah. Have a wonderful evening. Love you. Mwah. Bye. Goodbye. Mwah.